documentary on Netflix. I have to check it out, which it's about like the history of swear words. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I know, like the first use of fuck was in the 1500s. Wow. And um, that's late in the game. Yeah, it was um had to do with um I think it was in a book or whatever. Um, you know, English comes a lot from German because you know the Anglo Saxons. Um, Oh, yeah. Well, mostly just the Saxons, not the Anglos. Uh, right. They invaded, you know, Britannia, as it was called back then. And, and they uh, scissored. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, German comes, uh, English comes a lot from German. And then the, you know, the indigenous uh, language of uh, the British part of uh, the island. Yeah. Because there's like th- three different ethnic groups on the British island. There's the Welsh, the British, and the Scots. Right. Yeah, Scots are like what north? Oh yeah, Brit- British or south, and then the Welsh or west. Yep, that's true. So that's my way of figuring it out. Oh yeah, uh, Scots are north. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know uh, the Romans. They didn't even get to conquer all of uh, as they call it, Britannia, because uh, the Scots were just too vicious and other factors as well. That's why they made. Um, I think it was eight. Hadrian's Wall or whatever it was called. Hmm. I have no idea. I don't. I guess I don't really keep up on uh, European history as much as I probably should. You know, considering my age. But and you uh, look white, even though you're not white. Exactly. It's a. It's a keeps me out of trouble with all the white supremacy that's been flowing around here lately. Yeah. So. They they think I'm a I'm gonna try and infiltrate a, a white supremacy group from the inside out because yeah. I look like a white guy. Yeah. As long as they don't do a 23 and me, I'm not I'm all right. Oh yeah, you got white p- privilege and you're not even white. You know, I steal all the time. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh yeah. I steal constantly. Like at like Lowe's or Home Depot, I'll steal at. Uh, like crazy, and people are like thanking me as I leave for stopping by. Like, thank you for stopping by Home Depot. I'm like, no problem. Oh, yeah. As I'm robbing the place. It's fun. Uh, People keep saying that Jerry Seinfeld was dirty earlier on in his career. He has never stated that. Yeah. I don't think he's ever said that. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean... Even, like, I would say during, you know, his peak, during Seinfeld and whatnot, he mm-hmm. could go, like, let's say taboo, uh, like, darker subject matter. Like, the one joke that sticks out for me, it was from an episode of Seinfeld with those, you know, stand-up uh, bits that they would do in the beginning and then at the end of the show, mm-hmm. in which uh, he did one about suicide. And I think it was the a season two episode. It was uh, the first... Um, I mean, not the official, like, on-screen appearance, but it was the first mention of Newman. And it was uh, Newman... That's tr- right. Newman trying to kill himself. Yes. And it was originally... Vo- he was originally voiced by Larry David, and then they eventually redubbed it for um, Wayne Knight. Yeah. Later well, on. Later on for syndication? Oh, yeah. Really? That's funny. I didn't know. I, I thought they just left it as Larry David. Because the last time I watched it, it was Larry David's voice. Yeah, they may have uh, redubbed it for syndication. Um, they didn't get to do that with the first episode because, you know, Jerry's dad uh, turned out not to be his dad later on. Right. Was, he replaced him. <laughs> yeah, that guy. I'm glad they did. That guy was so flat and like yeah. weird. 
and who they ended up got they getting. Like that's the one thing I love about like Seinfeld in general is that like if you were to replace all those characters as like drawn animation, yeah, they wouldn't change much. Oh yeah. They're already pretty heightened, very you know, cartoonish like characters. Oh yeah, particularly um, I would say getting into season four because I would say the first three seasons are they're a bit grounded in reality, but then once season four comes around, it's like all right, we're getting off the rails here. Now Kramer's a murder uh, suspect. Yeah, that's true. They and do they kind of do push the, like the the boundaries of reality a little bit. And then, and then, um, you know, Kramer somehow gets a golf ball in the whale's blowhole, and then George, you know, just <laughs> miraculously man managed to get it, get to, get it out and whatnot. The but the the bizarre ways they would make it all connect and fit and make it make sense <clears throat> was honestly some of the best writing of any sitcom. Or show on TV during that time. Oh like, yeah. Can you can you think of a better like, not just comedy, just a better written show, a more oh, clever yeah. written show on TV during that time? Yeah, it started with the Busboy episode because uh, that was the first episode in which uh, the um, A and B plot connected at the end. Because you know mm. Elaine's boyfriend ran into the busboy, which was That's you know right. part of the A plot, and they got an argument and whatnot. And, um, yeah, that, uh, that was a pretty good episode from what I can recall. And, um, yeah, there, there was a lot of great writers from, uh, Seinfeld. Brilliant um, writers. Yeah. Uh, Larry Charles is the one that comes to mind from most for me. Uh, he wrote, uh, the limo and, uh, that episode. And, um, he also wrote, uh, the episode, I think, uh, had that, um, Forget the got character's name, but he was a stalker and he was obsessed with Elaine at one point. Yes, uh, and he was a clown. He dressed up as a clown. Oh, he wrote that episode. Yeah, actually, why am I surprised? Because that is a very dark kind of twist. Because yeah, because he's like a fellow comedian who's also there to like pitch a show, and then he's oh no wait, she's dating the psychiatrist, right? Um, at some point there's a psychiatrist involved and he's like, I'm worried about my patient and I didn't give him enough meds. Yeah. I think I kind of remember that as well. Yeah. I think it's Joe Devoldo or something like that. The character's name yes. is. And, um, yeah, he wrote that episode in which you would stalk her and whatnot. And then he wrote the limo episode, which, you know, has a very, uh, uh, let's say, a funny, darkly twist to it. And which, yes. it, you know, it turns out that, uh, oh, um, uh, Charles O'Connor or whatever the guy's name was a white supremacist and George was <laughs> George unlonely got into this. Yeah. That's so funny. And look, look at us. We're right back at white supremacy. Yeah. yeah we, came, we came for full circle ourselves. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And both of them are Jewish. Uh, Jason Alexander and Jerry Seinfeld and like real life. Yeah. And um, so is Ju Julia Lurie Dreyfus. Uh, she's French. Jewish and Mexican. Wow, what a mix. Yeah, she, um, the Dreyfus estate, uh, she comes from a wealthy family, and the Dreyfus estate goes back, I think, to the 1800s or wow. maybe farther than that. Dude, I had the biggest crush on her. I still do. Like, Julia Lewis Dreyfus was 
definitely my first like crush. Oh yeah. By a long shot. Like I like I whew, what a what a fine woman. Oh yeah. <laughs> what a fine looking lady. And nineteen eighty-nine was like a I would say like a preparation for the nineties, I would say. Sure. Because you had Seinfeld come out that year and then you had the Simpsons. And um they both came out that year. Uh, Simpsons was supposed to air like earlier on in the year in September, typically. But uh, the net- Fox didn't really have much uh, hope for the Simpsons, uh, so they Fox didn't have much hope for Fox in general. Oh yeah, have you seen a lot of the like the programming during that time? It's like, wow, it's like really like uh, archaic. It's very like, um, you know, it's very raw and like almost underproduced in a lot yeah. of ways. It's weird to watch considering how like crisp and clean yeah. t- like television today is. Like it's basically like watching short films or short movies productions. So you know in the late eighties, um Youngstown even have Fox. So um Ed O'Neill, like, you know, they kinda his family kinda watched Married with Children up and down in Youngstown because like they didn't have Fox. Wow. And yeah Married with Children predated Simpsons by, I think, four years, because Married with Children came out in 86, and it ran for a long time. I think 86 to 98, it ran for for about, like, 12 seasons. Wow. I didn't realize that. It was a good show, too. Oh, yeah. I don't, but the, I don't know if I've ever watched that show succinctly. Like, I've watched Seinfeld, but... I definitely like growing up and watching reruns of that show was a lot. Like I, every time I watched it, I had a good time watching the show. Oh yeah, yeah. The the nineties was a great time. Uh, it was transitioning uh, from the eighties, which the eighties, like particularly, I mean, not everything was like you know bland and conservative in the eighties. I mean, it did feel like that, but um, but the nineties is like really, I would say, like a very transgressive like push started happening and uh sure and then they were just exploring the like the you know the uh the archetypes and like uh the tropes of who individuals are like you know i mean abu is a pretty good example of like a uh like a stereotype yeah of an individual or that's pretty much what they were just exploring in general is just like how far can we take these stereotypes or how much can we explore oh, yeah. what we take for granted as stereotypes. And it was an interesting time. Not all of it came out swimmingly uh, in hindsight hmm. is, you know, mirrored to today's society. Yeah. But like, you know, there's a lot of really interesting things that we, I guess we had to go through as a society in order to get to where we're at today. Oh, like yeah. Not, not all not, not all evil is um doesn't re- lead to good places you oh, know what yeah. I mean? so it i mean there's a the reason why we have the term necessary evil is that uh you know sometimes those things happen in order for you to grow or society to grow in yeah. general so like, i think it's a pretty good st- place to start at welcome to uh not weird just homeschooled i'm your host jeremy demery i have a very very special guest uh my buddy vaughn wesley um fellow comedian uh very funny man uh just uh just a great one-liner comic who uh every time i watch him is always getting better and always getting funnier and uh, always working hard and I admire, like, sometimes 
you are very confident even when you're not getting the laugh yeah. and you don't you don't crack under the pressure which is very admirable hmm. where somebody like me would try and fill that void with a lot of words yeah that still aren't going to get a laugh hmm. or lead to anything funnier and you will sit in it and you will wait for that audience to get it yeah, and I like that about you. Like I like that you you have that amount of confidence in yourself. Like no, the, you know these are jokes I've crafted, and I know that they're good. Oh yeah. So uh, it's like a it's like a Hedberg thing because Hedberg was a you know very big influence on me, and Hedberg would like really pause mm-hmm. and take a couple of seconds for the audience sometimes to get his jokes and whatnot. So that's part of the inspiration for me. Uh, I was a big Stephen Wright fan. Oh, I love Stephen Wright as well. (laughs) He's only got two. Well, he's got two albums. Yeah. Right. One came out like in the eighties. Was it like eighty-seven or something like that? Eighty-five. Eighty-five. Pony, and then and then the second album, which came out way later, like ten years later, something like that, and it's called "I Still Have a Pony." Yeah, I have both of them on my phone. (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. It's so funny though. Yeah, he's he's really great uh, oh. as a comic. Um, him and um, Emo Phillips in the '80s like really were rocking it with one-liners. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, a lot of comics like prior to them weren't really doing that kind of style of comedy. That like very surrealist, witty. I mean, Emo is much more darker. Stephen, not so much. Emo Phillips is like Rodney Dangerfield on acid. Yeah, like yeah. If if I uh, or you can throw up a little bit of religion and politics, I guess into the mix too. But yeah, Emo Phillips is such a brilliant writer. Like that joke about uh, religion, and he just builds it and builds it and builds yeah. it and builds it is one of the best written, well crafted jokes I've ever heard. So good. Oh yeah, he um, he started in Chicago, I know, and of course the voice that he does on stage is not his real voice. Uh, there's only one instance I've actually heard his real voice, which he, like, he was in radio in Chicago, and he may have been doing stand-up at the time, but uh, his real voice was, like, you know, like, you know, you can hear it on there. Mm -hmm. And then I know another comic that saw him live once and saw him, like, break character and actually say something in his real voice. And it's like, oh, it's a treat whenever that happens. I didn't, I didn't know that wasn't his real voice. Oh no, he does not naturally speak like that. Uh, like, I mean, it's a character uh, he plays. Like, he's not really like, this is not really his like life. He's talking about it's, you know, it's just kind of a weird character, dark character that he created. Um, no, I don't like it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you have to like put on a persona in order to sure. entertain. Because I mean, everybody everybody is a heightened version of something. Because you know, this is an entertainment business, and you have to entertain. Yes. And uh, like you know, like I uh, read or watched something which it was because um, uh, Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit and Marilyn Manson they used to not get along. Sure. Uh, and uh, then they kind of. Marilyn Manson got around to Fred and Limp Bizkit and, you know, liked them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And Manson realized that, like, oh, you know, much like what I do is, which is a character on stage, Fred does behind the mic. He's not really like this. Yeah. He's not like a, he's not just a complete, like, 
goth the entire time. Oh, yeah. And, you know, um, Fred's not just, like, oh, jockey and, like... Well, I don't know. I mean, he's... I, would, I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I would say like in the late '90s, early 2000s, you know, there were some you know douchey moments with Fred, but I think that was just fame getting to his head. And then eventually, once you know, new metal died out, it just you know he kind of started getting humbled and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, he's he's a very private person, from what I know. He he's a uh, very humbled and private and. Uh, I, I enjoy his company whenever I uh, watch something of him. Oh, I was like, you know Fred Oh, Durst. no, no. <laughs> I enjoy his company sometimes. We hang out every Thursday. <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to follow with. I wish. Yeah, I would be like, holy shit. Yeah, the- It actually wouldn't surprise me if that were a thing for you and you just yeah. never mentioned it to anybody. <laughs> like, You're just best friends with Fred Durst. No, You never talk about it. You never bring it up to people. You don't exploit your friends' fame. Yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of person you are. Actually, that's... I, I think I'm that is a very high like I that's how highly I think of you is that you would be famous or you'd be friends with a famous person and not say a word to anybody about oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. You're just like, oh, yeah, I just hang out. What, Fred? Or you would, it would be like you wouldn't even know he was famous. That's how, like, it would like never register to you. You're like, what? People like Fred? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would be that clueless. I'd be funny if you were, though. Maybe. Like, uh, you're like, what? You mean Fred with the hat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that stupid hat he wears? People like that? Yeah. All right, I guess. Yeah. People um, are into weird shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know Um, with, like, like when it comes down to one-liners like that, getting back to that topic, sure. um, the only other comic I can think of that was like that, but he didn't really perform stand-up. It was mostly like radio and television, and I don't know if you would be familiar who this is, uh, Spike Milligan. No. Um, he's a British comedian. Um, he, um, during the 1950s, he had a uh, comedy uh, radio show, which aired over here as well, besides uh, the UK, hmm. uh, called The Goon Show. And... Um, he would uh, do these like very like non sequitur, surreal, dark one liners. Yes, yeah. I do know who this is. Uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, go on, go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, he would do all these kind of jokes like that, and then he went on. Uh, besides like the Goon Show, he went on to create Q5, which was a British sketch comedy show in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that show was the basis for Monty Python's Flying Circus. Yep, I was just going to say. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, both that radio show and that show was a big influence for the Monty Python guys. And um, he ha- has, like, what is considered one of the greatest jokes ever, Spike Milligan. Um, I know a security guard that used to work in my place. He uh, heard this joke after I told him it before, but he didn't know it was from Spike Milligan, in which uh, the joke goes, it was from the Goon Show back in the 50s, in which the joke went along like this, in which um, uh, a guy uh, calls up uh, 911 and says that, like, oh, I think, uh, I think this guy is dead here. And the operator says, are you sure? He's like, all right, let me check. You hear three gunshots. And he, <laughs> then he gets back to the phone. He's like, he is now. <laughs> that was very funny. That's a great joke. Oh, yeah. Do you, would you, is that something like, has that ever been an like, uh, aspiration of yours is becoming like a, um, 
like a sitcom writer or writer for a show or it makes money so i would do that <laughs> yeah i mean a lot of stand-ups uh like louis ck from a shit ton of comics have written for shows because it you know it pays more bills than stand-up comedy sure for sure and it you know also helps you with your comedy writing and whatnot it helps you with your craft and you know you're still doing comedy even though you're just behind uh closed doors writing scripts for shows and whatnot sure but do you feel like it would hinder your ability to write jokes for yourself? Like you wouldn't want to do that? I would prefer to do both. Yeah. I mean, I have a very, like, you'd say, like, oddball, witty, dark style that, like, would kind of fit in that format. Particularly, you know, since we have, like, streaming services right now, you, like, you know, you can go all out with that type of stuff. Sure. Uh, since, you know... Prime time is iffy unless it's like Adult Swim. Adult Swim, you can do a lot more on there compared to other networks. I think you and I kind of say like share a, a similar view on comedy, which is we don't give a fuck if it's real. Yeah, like we don't care about reality. Yeah, you and I don't live in the world of reality. We're not here to sell you your our truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think you and I don't really like comics like that. We There are guys that the guys who can live and play around in this fantasy world yeah. and draw some really cool comedy out of it. Like I'm with you. Like I I did that on Saturday. I did that bit about uh, that cuckolding bit. Yeah. Not one detail of that was true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I make up shit as well. Like, right. pretty much most of my stuff is not true at all. I just make it up and whatnot and try it out. Um, you mean you don't have a girlfriend with a bigger dick than you? No. <laughs> um, I mean, I've watched porn like that and whatnot. <laughs> Can't really get into trans men, though. Because, you know, I'm I'm attracted to women. Even if the woman has a cock, right. it doesn't really bother me too much when I'm watching a video. Right. I'm with you there, buddy. But, like, you know, the body, and you have to you have to look the part. The genitalia doesn't really bother me. Agreed. I always said I would, ha- I would have a threesome. Uh, I would have a threesome with my wife if that the other man, like, identified as a woman. Yeah. I'd be fine. Oh, yeah. Other than that, like... I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing a third or a second guy into the mix. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that cuckolding story is like completely fabricated. And like, we, I, I think, I think that's one thing I really like about your joke style or how you write jokes is that like, you, you know, you, these are so obviously like made up. Yeah. Shit. Made up or like just stories or like well-crafted material. And who gives a shit if it's not real? Yeah, yeah. I um, I've always gravitated to like more anecdotal comedy that sure. like that comes from like Louis C.K. and you know Stephen Wright and whatnot, which it's like because I've never really been the guys like here's my shitty dating life. Right. Th- th- <laughs> this is how shitty my dating life is, and I you know I barely mentioned on stage I have autism at all because I think that like if you have like a something unique about yourself like that so i i think it can be a bit of a crutch sure that's a very good uh observation i totally agree with you there. that can be a bit of a crutch i've seen uh this one comic who um was he was either a gulf war 
like a second Iraq war uh, veteran or uh, Afghanistan veteran and um he lost his leg during the war mm-hmm. and like half of his jokes were about his missing leg so it was like it's like oh that's like I'm happy you served, but is that your sole purpose of coming here today? Is like you got to cut out the, all the homeschooler bits. Yeah. <laughs> Look, your homeschooling material is a crutch. <laughs> is that what they sent you here for? I knew it. God nah. damn it, Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say if I wasn't like a comedian, I would probably be like a musician. I mean, I'll probably still do like acting stuff as well, like I've been doing. But, um, and I would say, like, my inspirations for that, I mean, I do listen to a lot of metal, but I listen to other stuff as well. Like, Fuck I have yeah. a gorilla shirt on. Yeah. So I do, obviously, listen to other stuff. I mean, 80% I listen to is metal, but I listen Fuck to yes. listen to other stuff as well. And I'd say I'd probably be kind of like a Frank Zappa kind of uh, musician, because he has his, like, own little world. He does his songs and Yeah, Zappa and, or, like, Captain Beefheart or, like... Something that lives yeah. in this like esoteric like Mr. Bungle. Yeah. Like I love Mr. Bungle. Yeah. That's a great band. So good. And like, yeah, there's a lot of like bands like that who live in this like surreal who've created this like almost surrealistic world in which like they somehow have tied it just enough into reality hmm. that you can it's believable and you can live in it in a sense and but it's not so real that you like that you're like have the like oh this really happened to this person yeah you know i love that like dichotomy of like saying something that is uh a plausible farce yeah and i i like i like that i mean dana carvey shows a lot a lot of that like you know weird take on everyday shit yeah like the the i mean just right out the gate with bill clinton and the the puppies like, oh yeah feeding the nation yeah. <laughs> strange that's something that lucy k came up with i know and it's such a bizarre bit <sighs> and it's like who greenlit this idea i mean they i'm glad they did because it definitely inspired that the Dana Carvey show may have not like succeeded during when it was on, but definitely inspired a lot of comedy after yeah. that. I, I like to say, um, like if it was obviously on HBO, then like it would like stay. I mean, ABC was like a dead spot for it. Yeah, even in the nineties, in which you know shows were kind of pushing it of what you could do. Um, but like ABC was not a show for that kind of show to be on. Um, yeah, it was right. It was, it was, they said it was right. It was on right after tool time. And yeah. my family, yeah, well, yeah home I guess depends on the year. Now I think of it cause we didn't get a TV until it was like 12, 11 or 12. Oh, that's and sad. so, but we would like religiously watch that show and, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, we, well, we, my dad would occasionally, we'd borrow a TV or something from people to like watch movies on like the weekend. But for the most part, there was no TV in the house. Like, yeah, yeah, I parents were strange in that way, but I, you know, I, I didn't mind it. You know what I mean? You don't know yeah. the difference. Uh, you know, you notice that your cousins or whatever, like family members have just TVs in their house. Yeah. But that almost seems weird to you. Like, why would you want to just sit there? Yeah. 
Now you get it. <laughs> yeah. Why would you want to just sit there for a couple of hours? Oh, yeah. I get anxious. Like, I can't wa- I can't Even today, I can't watch too much TV. I get, like, I start freaking out. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta go do something. <laughs> like, I, uh, like, you know, I'll do a podcast like yeah. what we're doing now. Because I watched, like, 20 minutes of television today. Hmm. So, I got enough in. <laughs> I took a nap after work today, so. I'm so jealous of that nap. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, yeah, the Dana Carvey show would have been Mr. Show if it was on HBO. That, yeah, I agree. Wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Or at least it would be a good, like, duo show to yeah. that one, you know? Like, it would be, yeah, they definitely could coexist within the same network and not be, it would be complimentary to each other. Yeah, and both of them, you know, owe a lot from Monty Python, like... Mr. Show was like, like the only other sketch show that found a way to uh, interconnect all the sketches together, because uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus would have like Terry Gilliam's uh, trippy, uh, like Hieronymus Bosch esque kind of you mm-hmm. know animations, and uh, they would all like connect within the sketches, and then um, uh, Mr. Show they would, they would. Not go that far with it, but they would do clever ways to connect all those sketches together. Yeah, I thought almost. I thought Mr. Show was more clever with how they tied shows together or sketches together than Monty Python, because Monty Python kind of just played you like a sketch <laughs> of like a cartoon, which it could have been anything, and it gets you into the next thing. Oh, yeah. So that, I mean, I like that and it's cool and it's creative in and of itself. And obviously it sparked another generation of people doing it in a more clever way. But um, I do think Mr. Show's version of that is definitely more clever because there's a lot of weaving and trying to figure out what sketches go where. Oh, yeah. It's hard enough just to write one sketch. But then you have to take all of those sketches and like zoom out and figure out how all these correlate and how you get in what in what ways like this one's done. It makes you wonder how much they edited the sketch to make it fit the next one. Yeah. Which is a really insane way to approach a sketch or just writing in general. But, you know, I think that it I I think without that, I don't think Shows like Breaking Bad would be as clever yeah. or as well done without that kind of style of esoteric writing or like, yeah. you know, like, uh, or, um, you Tim know. and Eric's awesome show. Great job. Yeah. So fucking which, funny. Which took a lot from Mr. Show. I mean, they had Bob Odenkirk, um, producer, I believe. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Because, um, you know, at the time <laughs> when, uh, they. So they don't get sued? <laughs> well,. They didn't go. They both really loved Tim and Eric. Both loved uh, Mr. Show, mm. but at the time, um, this was I think 2004 or 2003 is when they first did their first show. Tom goes to the mayor. And after that, they did Tim and Eric, uh, awesome show, great job. And um, you know, at the time in the early to mid 2000s, David Cross was like really at his peak mm-hmm. of uh, like you know cult status. I I mean he was oh. David Cross was always in that weird middle spot between like 
like underground and mainstream. He, sure. He wasn't really quite either or. He really mm. like surfed between both sides. Yeah. And um, and uh, for for them, he was too big. I mean, he got a lot of money from the Alvin the Chipmunks movies. That's part of it. Uh, why he's like very wealthy now. Sure. But um, but all that money, he I think he used ethically in order to spark or fund other yeah. creative endeavors. So like that's why he kind of gets a pass from all of us and like yeah. the alternative or like, you know, arts community or whatever. We'll let it slide for him to do that commercial work to allow all the yeah. other work to live. So Yeah, he am not doing because I think they made a third or fourth Chipmunks movie and uh, he ended up not, like, appearing for it. Instead, he had his uh, fellow Arrested Development uh, cast member. Really? And instead, uh, the guy that played Buster, uh, or the yeah. guy with the hook up for the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember his name, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he um, he w- pretty much took uh, David Cross's place for the um, uh, villain role in it. Really? Um, yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, they so because you know David Cross was like too big, they decided not to go to him. So they went to Bob Odenkirk instead, and Bob liked what they did. So he, you know, ended up uh, producing uh, their stuff and whatnot. And um, yeah, I just uh, Saturday night after I got home from uh, doing uh, going that secret show, uh, mm-hmm. so secret society show that you guys had. Um, yeah, I finished up uh, season six of the Eric Andre show. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I still haven't finished that. Yeah, he uh, really changes up uh, how he looks for each season. This season, um, he got buffed. He, like, worked out, and he's all muscular and whatnot. Uh, he's he's fit. Yeah, and that, and, like, I like his approach to the way he does, like, um, that prank comedy. Because <clears throat> I think a lot of it ends up being, like, very bully-like and very, like, um, mean in, in the process. And I don't yeah. like that part. About a lot of prank shows where it ends up just being like, look how stupid you are for making. And I made you believe that this thing was real. It's like, well, these things were things that could happen to an individual. So how are you mad at them for like responding sincerely? Yeah. The way he approaches it, he makes him look stupid. Oh, yeah. And makes the the person who he's pranking look very, very good and very like a, like a sincerely good person. Like, oh, yeah. almost every single one of the people in every single one of his pranks are, like, people who are sincerely just trying to help him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a very, very clever and funny way to approach, like, prank comedy like that. Yeah, it took a, yeah his show took a lot from, um, like, you know... Uh, late night with Conan O'Brien and late night with David Letterman in which they would like poke fun at the format talk shows. Right. And then he took, you know, from Monty Python's Flying Circus, uh, Red and Stimpy, uh, he took from, um, he took from, uh, the Tom Green show, uh, Jackass, uh, Tim and, o- Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job. He took a lot from those kind of shows yeah. to craft his own. Yeah, Wonder forget- Showsen was another uh, big uh, influence for him. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, Vernon Vernon Chapman is a uh, one. Uh, he he's great. Uh, yeah, he's the- a great comedic mind. I I know somebody that used to be a part of his uh, uh, art collective, uh, Jim Towsey. Um, he's on Twitter and Facebook. I we follow each other, and I've 
talked to him on the phone once, and I've texted him. It's been a while since I texted him, but he's a pretty cool guy. He worked on Wonder Shows, and he made all the puppets. Really? Oh, yeah, he made all the puppets. And then uh, he also did Xavier. Xavier was the last thing he did with them. And uh, Xavier is, like, the weirdest out of everything that they did. Closest to that was The Shivering Truth, which I don't think is renewed for a third season. There's only been, like, two seasons of it, and it Mm. was... It's like a, a like a dark, surreal, like, anthology comedy. Sure. In which it was, like, Claymation. It was, like, the first time they ever did, like, Claymation uh, for one of their projects. Mm. And um, it, like, had a very big, like, um, Twilight Zone, Black Mirror, like, Monty Python's Flying Circus kind of vibe to it. Mm. Uh, Vernon mentioned that in one of the interviews that he was kind of going for that vibe. Because Monty Python's a big influence on him, hmm. and um, yeah, he uh, yeah. If you didn't notice, because uh, Vernon also for I think since two thousand three, two thousand four, I think two thousand three, he's been uh, the producer for one of the producers for South Park, um, and he voices Tally. Wow! And uh, the, he uses that exact same voice voice for uh, Clarence on Wonder Shows, and if you ever play those voices back to back, it's the same voice. Wow. Yeah, I never put two and two together. I also didn't watch a whole lot of, um, uh, what was that, cartoon? South Park. So I, I didn't watch a lot. I, I I think I watched the first episode, and <clears> I was like, ah, this isn't me, and just didn't watch it ever again. <laughs> like, yeah, Trey, Trey and Matt uh, don't look fondly on their earlier seasons. Okay. Um, but as time goes on, they really kind of, they really form the show into uh, what people love it as now um um and whatnot and uh yeah they um yeah i know uh i love the movie south park bigger longer and cut that's a great movie it really about ba- well balances a uh, you know satire on censorship and like you know the raunchiness and mm-hmm. the darkness that comes with south park uh, it's a very well balanced uh very well balances the two out and you know they've worked so hard on that movie that they don't remember some of the episodes that they produced for the show. Wow, really? Like, there's a an episode in which it was um, sexual harassment panda, and they don't remember doing that at all. <laughs> they, they were so busy with South, like, so busy with the movie that they don't remember doing that one at yeah, all. Yeah, that's got to be weird. While you're writing a movie, you're also writing a show which the, all the characters and all the things, that, like, the whole world <laughs> is the same. But it has to exist in this different yeah. area altogether. It's also a musical South Park. Oh my god, that's got to be so di- like. Yeah, I can see how like the reality like of what was what, <clears throat> like what was the movie and what was the show. Oh, yeah. Those lines can blur when you're that overworked. You know, like yeah. it kind of happens to us in Secret Society. Like, you know, <clears throat> it's some weekends like just blur together. And oh, what yeah. comics were on what show, and that's all like a mystery sometimes. Like trying oh, to figure yeah. out what weekend. But um, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up. Uh, I have a Warren address, but I don't live in Warren. I live uh, in uh, a little county that nobody I'm, knows of. I'm right? not auditing you. I'm just asking I, I a know. question. <laughs> I know. Um, I have a Warren address, but I live in a little county in Trumbull County called Well, a little. Um, 
township in Trumbull County uh, called um, Braceville Township, which nobody knows of. It's yeah, I've a, never heard of it. It's right by Newton Falls. You mm. may know what Newton Falls is. Nope. All right, you I know Warren, and that's about it. That's don't know it. you don't know Heroinville, Newton Falls. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm sorry. It's fine. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people that don't live in Trumbull, I've like met, like I mentioned Newton Falls, so they're like, oh, I know of Newton Falls, and I'm like, all right, good, we're on the same page. Not so much with you, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, or like you that that might that person might be telling you that they have a drug problem, yeah. and just like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Oh, then yeah. that's when you can assume, ah. They're doing heroin. Yeah. So, so yeah, you I, know that I'm not a heroin. I've never done heroin. Yeah. I don't do anything. I just jack off. That's my only pleasure. <laughs> well, we got. We all got to have something, right? Yeah. Nefarious in our lives. I'm a. I'm a sober cucumber. Nice. I. I also. Well, I smoke weed occasionally, so mm. I got that going for me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, what like. Did you go to public school or like how? What was your education yeah, like I in that? Went to public school. I went to a school called Lebray. Um Pretty much all throughout kindergarten through um, well both years in kindergarten because I got hill back mm. and then all the way to senior year. I graduated six years ago back in 2017. Wow! Should have graduated in 2016, but you know, getting hill back, we'll do that. You're a you. bad boy. That's why because you're too. Busy raising hell. <laughs> no, I was just a disabled kid. <laughs> We're going with my story. Uh, you got like a leather jacket and a motorbike, and you're like, fuck you, teach. Yeah. And then you peel out. <laughs> it makes me look uh, cooler. Yeah. It's, you, you flick a cigarette that you never even smoked at the teacher because you're not a smoker. Yeah. You're like, and then you peel out, and you're like, later, nerds. <laughs> yeah. You were, uh, were you, like, how many kids were in your school? Was it a private school or was it a public school? Public. Okay. Um, it was about a hundred or so. Mm. Uh, like in my grade, I would say probably about 60, 80, something like that. Uh, may have, I think I graduated with over a hundred people, uh, uh, and whatnot, uh, when I graduated all those years ago. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, a. Uh, Decently sized uh, school. Um, it was pretty much like my school. I often bike past it and drive past it going back home and whatnot from sure. work. But uh, it was pretty much in a redneck kind of area. And uh, I, I used to thought that so the area that my school was at was more preppy. But then I found out but that's not the case. It's redneck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, uh, isn't it funny sometimes when you, you like, you have a, re what you think is a reality of a place and then you go to somewhere else and that breaks the entire reality of what you thought of the other place. Yeah. Like, Oh, I thought this was really preppy, but now that I met preppy people, yeah. I can tell that those people were like white trash. Yeah. So, and the preppy people, uh, that like the, you know, the more higher class the cheerleaders, the jocks and whatnot that, you know, were at my school, like. Pretty much all of them lived in like either like a rednecky area or like in the country. Hmm. Is uh, it, did you live in like a rural area? Of, oh like, yeah, okay. I live by the woods. Nice. You you live by the woods. You die. You will die by the woods. Yeah. Uh, that's that's how the that's the Vaughn way. <clears throat> yeah, I uh, 
Yeah, I live uh, in a rural area. There's farms down by my place and nice. whatnot. It's it's nice to bike past that and look at it. I like the clear fields looking nice. at all that. Uh, you now you your parents? How many? Do you have any siblings? Oh, only child. Only child. Uh, your parents still together? Oh yeah. Nice. Even though they threatened to divorce each other a million times. <laughs> I live in one of those households. Do they get along or no? Oh, yeah, they get along. It just, uh, my dad can be a dick. <laughs> sure. I know. I know that um, you're talking. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, well, my dad, he um, grew up in a, he grew up poor. Four of them, they grew up poor. And um, it was it was a rough household for him. My grandpa was the type of guy. Now he never did this to me at all, and usually the case with the grandparents, to <laughs> right? Yeah, grandkids. But he never did this to me at all. But like when uh, my dad and his siblings were younger, my grandpa would be the type of guy that would just be sitting in his uh, chair, and just out of nowhere, he'll just randomly smack one of them. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Random acts of violence in that household. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, both my gr- grandparents they were um, heavy drinkers. And heavy smokers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they both were not in good health, and they both have obviously passed away. Uh, my grandpa, 2011, and my grandma, 2018. Hmm. Um, my grandpa would drink like a half a bottle of hard liquor a day. Wow, up until the day he died? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, they were um, hard-drinking uh, Polish Germans and a bunch of other things. Wow. And where did your parents grow up? Um, Medina, my, uh, mom, uh, graduated from Brunswick and, um, my dad, uh, Broadview Heights, I believe. Hmm. Now I'm assuming they also live in Warren. Yeah. They, uh, they live with me. Oh, nice. Yeah. I live with my parents. Hell yeah. It's good to save money for sure. And not pay rent. 100%. 100%. Like, uh, and then, so what's it like being an only child in a rural area? That's got to be a pretty uh, lonely experience. All right, oh, it it's is. probably a lot like being homeschooled. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting growing up. Um, I had a lot of fond memories growing up uh, with, you know, my PS2 and my shows I would watch. Mm-hmm. I would... Like, whenever, like, one of my shows would uh, come on uh, at a specific time, I would always tell my parents, or well, like, if I was at home or, like, staying somewhere for vacation or sleeping over somebody's house, like, my show's on this time, I had to watch it. You were that, you were like, yeah, because during that time, if you missed it, you missed it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, during that time, we did have, um, uh, we did have recording, but it was a VHS recording. It wasn't sure. DVR. Because I was born in '98, so it wasn't. Like, but if they didn't, if they didn't hit record, it's going to be years before you get to actually see that episode. Yeah, unlike now, in which you can pretty much just find stuff bootlegged on yeah. the internet, and so uh, you can find all the stuff you missed all through the internet. You're right. Now, like back then, you can do that. Oh yeah. You just had your hopes that your parents hit record, and or you the timer <clears throat> like actually went off. And then, like, started recording at the time it was oh, supposed yeah. to. But uh, did, what was your, like, high school like? Did, did you have, like, like, a social group at all or, like? I was a floater. I, I mean, I was more in the, 
nerdy kind of mm-hmm. group of people. Uh, but I really floated around. I've I've had, you know, some, like, consistent friendships. Like, there's only two people I really hang out with uh, ever since I graduated from high school. Hmm. Um, you know, being autistic, you don't really, uh, you're not uh, too social, and uh, you don't really, it's a little bit difficult holding on to friendships. Yeah. Well, also, too, I feel like, uh, you know, they don't get that, like, sometimes you just say weird stuff because oh, yeah. it's, fun for you to say weird oh yeah things. And there's been plenty of times i've done that which <laughs> i'll just say something provocative to like somebody like i remember during my senior year of high school i remember it was on my birthday and uh at this table of mine uh it was like two girls that would sit there uh and um most were guys though and uh, i remember uh i i just rambly ended up saying like i'm because it was my 19th birthday that day. I'm like, oh, it'd be great if I had a birthday blowjob. And I turned to one of the girls. That's amazing. And uh, and whatnot. And yeah, I've I've learned to tone it down. Dial uh, because, it back some? Yeah, you, you kind of scare people away when you do stuff like that. And, you know. Some people can't handle honesty. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's what can, that's the thing that scares the most is the honesty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you roamed around the nerds, really? Oh yeah, I've—I mean, pretty much everybody liked me—the the jockey people, um, the nerdy people, uh, anybody can really think of. Everybody pretty much liked me. Uh, even I don't know the the more troublesome kids. Even <laughs> some of them liked me. Did you get bullied all growing up? Somewhat. Uh, there were times um, I got bullied. Uh, not too much though. Uh, I would say. More so adulthood than childhood. Really? Yeah. But, um... That's funny. Yeah. Well, because you hang out with comedians, and comedians are have the maturity yeah. of high school students, no matter the age. Well, and also, like, working and whatnot, working with people. Because, you know, when I was in schooling, uh, I had, like, an IEP. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had, um, you know, you had leadership. You had the teachers, and they would watch everything. So you had, like, a, you know, a watchman kind of group of people, sure. uh, you know, watching people's, um, you know, security and whatnot. And um, so that was part of it, why I didn't get really bullied that much. Um, there, there was a few times. There was one guy um, who's now in jail. <laughs> Uh, uh, name Adam McDermott, in which he, his hairline has gone. It's, it's bad. <laughs> he, he may have bullied you, but life got the better of him. Oh yeah, his his hairline is gone pretty much. <laughs> I mean, he's not completely bald, but like the up front here is like gone and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, he um, he uh, last year uh, got arrested because he uh, robbed a Sunoco uh, with a shotgun. <laughs> Uh, he didn't even point it at anybody. He just like put the shotgun on the table and he's like, "Give me your money." Hmm. And then they eventually caught him. I think the next day or so. Yeah, you don't get away with that too long. Oh yeah. Now, the next question I have is like, uh, like when you were bullied, what would be like, you like how would you respond to that? Um. Or should we just like? Shouldn't we now just find you like some sort of bodyguard or somebody to watch over you? This way you don't get bullied anymore. Oh, I, I can take care of myself. <laughs> yes, uh, you can. I've seen I, it. Yeah, I um, 
Like, uh, he, um, like, I would, like, just do a lot of insults towards him. Mm-hmm. Cause it just got to the point in which he would just constantly, like, insult me. He, he, he would call me faggot and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and other stuff. And, uh, and then I would, uh, you know, respond back to him with insults. Uh, a lot of them have not aged well, because a lot of them are homophobic insults. Sure. Because, you know, when you're, like, you know, 13, 14, you know, you don't know. It's like, am I gay? Am I not gay? Am I bi? What am I? So there's, like, a uncertainty and also with the culture of, like, kind of a pushback towards, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, there, there's, like, people spear out homophobic stuff, and, you know, I'm not proud to admit it, but I, you know, when I was in middle school and whatnot, I would stay, say stuff like that. Sure. I didn't really say faggot too much. I didn't use that as an insult, but I would just, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, you, you would, uh, you would like a dick more than a pussy. Oh, oh wow. Burned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got now, scorched, scorched earth on that one. Yeah. I don't know if uh, you growing up, that was kind of the thing in which, like, you know, being insulted gay was the worst insult ever. I don't know about the worst, but it was, yes, it was up there. And it was definitely top five of the worst things yeah. you could say to a, from, uh, to a person. Yeah. Or, like, those were fighting words type thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, now it's not so much because, you know, it's, you know, LGBT stuff is mm-hmm. more mainstream and whatnot. And, you know, people. Now you lean into it. You don't give a fuck. Like, oh, yeah. Who am I trying to impress? Pretty much. And, uh, yeah, this was like, you know, when I was in middle school, this was 2010 uh, to 2013. So mm. this was the early 2010s. This was like really before, like, you could say there was like more of like a socially conscious push and the internet, and then, you know, there was a kind of a downside to that as well with, like, the whole political correctness. Sure. Which, you know, I, I'm all for with, like, you know, being socially conscious and social justice and whatnot, but there's, uh, there's a difference between being right and effective. Sure. And, uh, you know, trying to, you know, limit people's language and uh, trying to, like, you know, like, have rigid rules and whatnot. It really doesn't help. Well, let's put it this way. There still aren't any rules. Oh, yeah. You can say whatever you want to say. Yeah. But there will be some sort of social um, repercussion to it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it wasn't always like that. I would say, like, that kind of, like, you know, particularly left-wing PC stuff really started up in the 90s. Mm. Beforehand, it was more, like, right-wing kind of PC stuff. Like, you know, you couldn't say fuck on stage, like, in the 50s mm. and 60s. It's funny to me, too, because, like, all these, like, conservatives are, like, all reeling against political correctness or culture wars, and it's like, you are then are anti-capitalism. Because all mm. those people you're trying to exclude yeah. are valuable customers. Oh, yeah. That is very true. So... Who's the communist at this point? Yeah. yeah. That is very true. Um, I mean, it's interesting uh, where you, like, you know, find the origins of political correctness. I mean, the first utter usage of the word was in the 1930s. It was it was politically correct what they would, you know, originally say. Sure. And that term was used to describe the regimes of Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union. <laughs> That's very funny. Because, you know, they were very strict and very rigid and very conformist and very dogmatic um, and whatnot. And um, 
Yeah, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, the Nazis were not too fond of capitalism either. <laughs> no, they were not. They're anti-capitalists. Yeah, but they believed, uh, I mean, they believed in the, not necessarily a free market, but like a state-controlled market. 100%, yeah. Yeah, they um they both had like anti-capitalist and pro-capitalist uh, elements, but it was like well, the party they, has to control it. Well, they so often get in lumped in with is socialism, which what their version of what they called socialism wasn't socialism. Yeah, it was um it was only uh the only reason why the National Socialist uh, part was added and there was a tract of a more left-wing um um, you know, working class in the 1920s, because when the Weimar Republic uh, started, uh, they pretty much became a social democracy. And uh, that was appealing to a lot of, uh, you know, young working class people. Hmm. And uh, so they leaned into that kind of socialist stuff, but they really were not socialists. They were far right. Yeah. Did you do well in school? Did you get good oh, yeah. grades? Oh yeah, I got I did well with history, English, uh, reading, not so with math and science. Oh, so that's kind of what held you back was the math and science of yeah. your education. But like you know, reading and um, English and history, I'm you know very well versed in. I mean, I'm I've not, noticed. Yeah, I'm not genius <laughs> with any of that. I I will. Have... You have a knack for knowing like references and. And those are, you know, skill sets that are incredibly important oh, as yeah. a comedian. Like, those skill sets definitely will help you in the long run. I struggle in references and yeah. times and dates and people. Uh, it's it's something that I get frustrated about with myself <clears throat> constantly. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I admire the fact that you have, like, you're, you're on it. Like, I've oh, mentioned... Yeah few things here and you're like taking me down a whole road of yeah. new information that i had no idea about um did you like school did you get along with people at your school or yeah it was nice to see uh people uh constantly uh pretty much people my own age and you mm -hmm. know and whatnot um uh i mean i like i would say i like work slightly more because i get paid sure uh school you didn't get paid for you just <laughs> right. i also i School hours, in hindsight, were nice because it was only six hours at school. Sure. And then you went home. Like, for work, it's, like, usually eight hours. But, like, during my senior year, I would, um... Because I got into the drama club late. Because um, I always wanted to, like, do drama and whatnot. But I always, like, you know, put it off to the side and whatnot. But I finally got into the drama club in my senior year. Nice. And, you know, of course, I had to stay after school for that. But I actually enjoyed my time. And also, at this point, I was, you know... I was driving, so I uh, freedom. I can do whatever I want. Hell yeah! When how old were you when you got your license? Eighteen. Okay, that's right. That same. I I didn't get my license until I was eighteen either. So my senior year, or yeah. no? So no, I was maybe <sighs> just a little older than seventeen. Because yeah, I got it my senior year, and I was seventeen my senior <clears throat> year. Yeah, mine was. June 22nd, 23rd, maybe 20th or 21st of um, 2016. So it's been seven years and two months since I've had my license. You graduated in 2016? 17. 2017. Uh, I got, you know, I got held back. So I gotcha. graduated in 2017. Yeah, I was um, junior year going into my uh, senior year when I got my license. I drove all throughout my senior year. Didn't take a bus at all, only for field trips. And I only had like two field trips. Which was pretty nice. Um, 
I went to um, uh, that one place out in PA, which it's um, uh, Newcastle School of Trades. We mm. went to a field trip there. That was pretty nice. Nice. Wasn't interested in going there at all, but it was nice to do something different. Sure. And um, this was like March of 2017 when we did that. And then, um, or maybe in April. Uh, but anyways, uh, then uh, a month before that was uh, March 31st. I remember the exact day in which uh, we, um, for my uh, drama, drama 2 class, we ended up... Uh, doing a field trip uh, out to uh, Tower City up here uh, to the mall. It's a very nice mall. I've only been there once, but that's a very nice mall. Yeah. Um, and we uh, went to, like, a film festival. Um, Spanish class, Spanish 2, was having something else that they were watching, but ours was, like, a Holocaust survivor uh, tale and whatnot. Oh, fun. Yeah, it was, like, a, <laughs> it was a documentary about that, um, about uh, the people that were presenting the documentaries, like Grandma or something like that. And uh, that was nice. And after we got done with that, we just wandered around. I just had a group of people, and we just wandered around Tower City. It was it's quite nice. And then we um, got back, and then uh, I um, later that night, I ended up uh, performing stand-up for a second time for my school talent show. Really? Yeah. Um, what, what inspired you to get into comedy? Like, what was, like, I guess, how did you find comedy? Or stand-up in general. I mean, before stand-up, I uh, really liked, um, like, you know, adult animated shows like Simpsons and Family Guy mm-hmm. and um, King of the Hill. South Park came later on by, like, that as well. Um, Futurama and whatnot, uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, all those shows. Those are all great shows. Oh, yeah, and, um, and then I eventually um, drifted into, uh, like, my first stand-up comic would had to be dane cook and uh you know i think he's he's a funny guy i think sure. he's fairly decent uh, i don't think he got deserved as much hate as he got Great. couldn't agree more um he uh he was the first and then after him was uh gabriel glesius well around that time as well as uh john stewart uh daily show with john stewart i got into that um going it was a 2012 summer of 2012 going to my eighth grade uh, i got into that show and i used to watch that show like religiously every single episode that's how we all got our news for a while especially if you were somebody who enjoyed comedy yeah and just completely <laughs> wanted to disconnect with like how polarizing the world was becoming yeah uh <clears throat> john stewart was almost like a, it's it's funny to think about now because Johnster was almost like a breath of fresh air. Oh, yeah. But now looking back, it's like he just yelled at everybody. Yeah. That's all he did was yell at people. Well, I mean, part of it now is that, you know, you have, you know, like with the political climate right now is so, like, you know, uh, messy that, you know, it feels like, you know, political satire on late night talk shows seems, you know, just redone already it's it's not it's like very redundant at this point it's not as fresh as it used to be yeah um and uh you're right because there really wasn't anything like that at the time yeah especially the early days of the like well i remember when it was craig kilborn yeah and craig kilborn's daily show and that was like you're like what they're gonna put comedy into the news like yeah 
isn't that just gonna bum everyone out? Like it was a very strange concept. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, it like previously, like you know, putting like politics with comedy has worked in the past. Um, National Lampoon magazine was very famous for doing that. Sure. Uh, Lenny Bruce was famous for doing that. Uh, George Carlin, and then you know that style like goes way back. You know, you have a. Uh, uh, um, Jonathan Swift. Mm-hmm. You have yeah that satirical book in which he was trying to. He wasn't re- really seriously, but he was like trying to argue to eat Irish children or something <laughs> like that. It, it was something like that, from what I can recall. But uh, yeah, satire goes back all the way to ancient times. Who showed you like stand up? How did you discover stand up? Uh, well, Dane Cook, I mentioned. Uh, so you kind of just found it through Dane Cook? Yeah, it was uh, seventh grade. Uh, I found it. Um, uh, there's a there was a girl um, that was uh, a grade above me. Uh, I just saw her today at my workplace. She was shopping with her I don't know, boyfriend or something like that. Her baby daddy. She had mm-hmm. her kid with her, but um, she. Um, uh, she because there was really nothing going on in that class one time, and she, you know, she was like a helper, and she, like, went on the computer, and she was just watching random stuff on, like, you know, YouTube, like, anime-related stuff, and, like, back back in the that time, um, particularly the early 2010s, uh, you had, um, there used to be, like, anime uh, and stand-up things. Like, they would, like, put, like, uh, stand-up uh audio over anime clips oh you're talking about dr cats yeah it would, it would be well not like that but like japanese anime like uh like think pokemon and whatnot Yu-Gi-Oh. oh wow but like more like naruto and whatnot like stuff like that they would like put um like their voices over these characters and they would do that uh that style pretty much has died off on uh youtube now it's just it's been like amvs for a long time which mm. they just like you know They'll have, like, scenes from, like, an anime or whatever, like, a movie or cartoon, like, a Western cartoon or whatever, and they'll have, like, music go with it and whatnot. But uh, there was a bit that uh, somebody did with Dane Cook for, uh, like, Naruto or something. Or, Mm. no, it was, like, Death Note, I believe, which was a great anime. I recommend it if you haven't checked that out. I have not. It's really great. Send it to me. I'll, I'll watch it. It's on Netflix, I believe. Oh, okay, cool. You can watch either the Japanese or English dub. <laughs> but um, switch between the two. Yeah, and uh, and uh, that was my introduction to stand-up comedy. And then I, um, you know, watched his other stuff, like clips and whatnot. And uh, you know, then there was John Stewart for The Daily Show. And then there was Gabriel Iglesias, and then Jeff Dunham. And so then, you kind uh, of discovered it through TV, in a sense. Mostly the internet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, YouTube YouTube is an innovator for that, just sure. introducing people to stuff. Like, I found out Louis C.K. through YouTube, Bill Burr, and pretty much most of the things I like. Wow. Um, yeah, Louis C.K. was, like, my really one big, like, stand-up comic. It was like, holy shit, I really love this. It was uh, his... Uh, Louis A.K. Uh, chewed up special, mm-hmm. which I just really loved, like, in the very beginning. It was just, you know, it was just, like, he was doing jokes about, like, three of the words that you can't say, nigger, faggot, and cunt. <laughs> and he was, like, doing it very, like, funny, right. all, all those words. 
And uh, I was like, oh, this is very brave to just start off, like, you know, special like this. And it was, I mean, not only brave, but it was really funny the way he did it. Yeah. It wasn't just, like, edgy to be edgy. It was It was very funny. It's thoughtful, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, I think that's where a lot of people fall short in they forget that they need to be empathetic and thoughtful when you're doing uh, very abrasive, uh, edgy comedy. Oh yeah. They forget empathy. Yeah. You, you have to, you know, you have to be funny. Like if, if you're doing like, you know, jokes with like, you know, slurs or whatever, it's like, it's like, well, be funny right about it. Like, I I guess there was this one old George Carlin bit, which I've never heard him say, but Dennis, um, Dennis Miller said uh, he did this joke, and it was when uh, the green room was still a thing. Paul Provenza was the green room. Yeah, room, oh, I which, love that show. In which uh, he uh, told a joke, in which it was an old George Carlin joke, in which he um, said, um, uh, George Carlin said, like, oh, uh, when I was a kid, uh, a faggot was somebody uh, that uh, refused to go beat up the queers. <laughs> and I, I quite like that. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny how poorly that is aged, but it's still a very funny, well-crafted joke. Because it's just very ironic. And yes. It, and it's not very expected he was going to say that. Like, you know, like, you can do, like, you know, like, just very, like, edgy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, just be surprising. Don't Don't just say, like... Like hello, faggots, or right. whatever. Just be surprising. Just you know, have like you know, utilize what comedy has, like irony, um, uh, you know, um, surprise, uh, sarcasm, and whatnot. And there was another Carlin bits in which it had not entirely like that, but it had to do with gay people. Mm-hmm. Which it was, uh, it was. During, like, uh, one of his 90s specials, uh, I think it was Jamming in New York or something like that, in which he, before he was going on about, like, euthanisms and whatnot, he was kind of going off on political correctness, in which uh, he um, was talking about, like, oh, context is, like, very important when dealing with jokes and whatnot, and he said that, um, he's like, oh, there was a story in which uh, a gay guy um, got in a car crash, and uh, he pretty much became brain dead. So he was a fruit. Now he's a vegetable. Yeah, I remember that joke. And uh, he's like, he's like, see context, and the audience laughed and whatnot. And you know, there's people that do share that clip of Carlin, you know, talking about. Uh, he's like, oh, you, you shouldn't pick on the disenfranchised and whatnot. It's like, well, he kind of did. I mean, right. it, it, I mean, it wasn't like in a mean spirited way. It was like in a very playful kind of jokey kind of wise. Like one of my favorite jokes. Uh, comedy shows that just like you know people would you know claim to be like punching down uh, it's one of my favorite like uh, comedy central shows very underrated show uh, drawn together yeah and which that, that like that show was like it just took shots at every single group of people <laughs> sure. you can think of and like pretty much like you could say the, the whole cast were members of the LGBT community because they have all fucked each other sure like um like Captain Hero is pretty much he's fucked both men and women. Uh, same with uh, all three of the women characters and the um, and all the other characters in the show. I I quite like that one. And it's, it's, yeah, oh. I was gonna say oh George Collins. I think his overarching like uh, point was like all things 
all, all these things are equal in a sense. Like yeah. all things being equal, yeah. if we're going to make fun of these people over here, we should also treat them as equals and make fun of them as well. Yeah. Yeah, like just just be funny. That's my argument. Like sure. there's a very great uh, clip in which it was back in 2013, um, and this was like back when you know rape jokes were a big deal. In which it's like, oh, rape jokes. Who's going to be the next one going to be in trouble with a rape joke mm-hmm. and whatnot? And it was uh, Jim Norton and Lindy West. And it was on a, a old. Oh, sorry. That's all right. It was on an old um, Comedy Central show. Uh, that's no longer around anymore. But they pretty much were debating, and you can find the like you know the uncut extended version of it, and it's very well. Was well, this uh, uh, pol- political correctness? Um, was the show with uh oh fuck, what was his name? Black guy. No, no, no. Glasses. Oh, Bill Maher. No, no, not Bill Maher. Uh, Colin Quinn. No, I don't think so. Um, I don't think it was that show, but it was a it was a it was a black guy that um, hosted the show. Uh, Afro glasses, I forget his name. Um, Kamel, maybe his name. Oh yeah. Um, but it was a show back on Comedy Central like ten years ago, and um, Jim Norton and Lindy West were on there, and they were pretty much you know debating you know the ethics of like violent jokes and whatnot. And Jim Norton, his whole argument is pretty much what some of the things I've been saying. Just like if if you're trying to be funny, then 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 that's one thing. But if you're trying to do like what Michael Richards did, sure, that's 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 complete. That was not out of humor. That was out of anger. That was right. out of like just spite. He wanted to hurt those people. Yeah, he that, with words. Yeah, and we can t- all see and hear. The malicious intent yeah. behind the language, yeah, which gave it the context of it being less than couth, yeah, to say like, the least. But like, oh yeah, it's like he's not trying to be funny; he's like really trying to hurt these people. Yeah, and uh, like you know, as long as you're trying to be funny, then go at it. Uh, I, I think that's a very perfect way to look at like comedy. Just if you're trying to be funny, then do it. If you make a mistake, then you made a mistake. Then you know, if it's not funny, then it's not funny. At least you try to be funny. Right. And even, yeah, if it falls flat, then that's, there's always tomorrow. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> yeah, there's always tomorrow to fuck that joke up. Pretty or much. to make it better or, you know, tinker around with it or whatever. <laughs> but uh, do, do your parents, are your parents supportive of your comedy? Oh, yeah, they are. Do they, do they know? <laughs> okay. Have they witnessed? Oh, yeah, they've been to my shows. Uh, they were there when I uh, won Funny Stop back in December. Nice. Yeah, I um, I tied with uh, Adam Bart. We both won and got, both got 50 bucks and whatnot. It was a nice moment. Um, yeah, that's great. And your parents was, were there to see it? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't as ecstatic uh, as winning it because it was my 10th time being in that final, so it was like, Finally, it's done. Right. But it was a it was a good time overall, even though I wasn't as like ecstatic as the other time I won a contest because I won Toast Place back in January 2020, and I was very happy about that. That was my <laughs> first contest I won, and I got a hundred bucks and whatnot. That was it was a good night, and I was you know like my mood before like going there was uh let's just say like it's like ugh. Driving an hour to mentor, my mood going home was happy. I was like, sure. I was like, oh, I, I won. I won. That's great. Do and, you, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, um, 
But uh, yeah, when I um, finally won Funny Stop with going, with doing like a tenth time with that finals winning it, so I was like, we got it finally. <laughs> I wasn't like if, if it was like let's say like third or fourth time if in the finals and I won, that would have probably been very ecstatic. But since it was the tenth time, I was like, we're done with this finally. After the tenth time, your parents still came. Oh, yeah. Did they come every single time you were in the finals? No, no, no. no. Okay. Uh, they came and they've come to finals in the past, but they've never been to all the finals mm. that I've been in. And uh, yeah, I finally won that thing, and it was my 72nd show of last year. Probably won't be able to get to that much uh, compared to this year. I, I've just been working a lot, and you know, I don't live in Cleveland, so right. it's, it's a bit hard. I've only done about 33 shows this year so far. It's got to be tough on the car and the gas. and Yeah. Yeah, it's... Hear, it's... hear about me getting towed last month? No, you got towed? Yeah, I got towed uh, over in Lakewood um, on Bunt Street. Oh, I parked boy. on the wrong side. I, uh, I, um... Because I, you know, I came from the highway and I was going to go back on the highway home. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to park on the other side of the road. So I, you know kind of park on the other side of the road can only park on one side mm-hmm. so they towed my car and uh, john brown had to take me halfway home and uh john john asked me he was like it's like well didn't you notice that uh those cars were parked on the other side and i was like i thought i was the first one <laughs> that's like, funny is it important to you that your parents come to like shows and stuff like that or like they're supporting it is it important to you like to see them uh, every so often. It's it's nice to see them. Uh, be nice to see your parents, Jeremy. My my parents won't ever be anywhere near our shows. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's, like, I, it's like let's see if uh, Jeremy's parents are as white as him. <laughs> they are not. They're both like bronze gods. Uh, it sucks. Like they're very like tanned individuals. Yeah, and I have this like gangly white child. I mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I don't. It's not important to me that they care. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. I, if anything, I like. I don't. <sighs> I don't like that. Sometimes, like my family show up to things. Uh, I'd rather rather they they don't. And yeah, like the, I didn't write any of this for them. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't get into this for them to enjoy it. Oh yeah. So why does it matter if they're there or not? In my opinion, but yeah, my uh, my mom uh, wanted me to go to college. And uh, particularly for a history degree. You would have been really good at that. But the uh, thing is, I don't like to study. <laughs> and you have to study for college. Yes. And, uh, and you know, the history degrees are very, like, it's a big competition for history degrees. That's, like, one degree that, like, there's a big competition for and sure. whatnot. And uh, I know somebody, like, my first uh, manager for Giant Eagle, he... Um, he went to college and he graduated with a major in history and a minor in the psychology and you know he didn't do anything with it so it's like it's not a guarantee when you graduate from college and you go into the thing that you graduate with now i have a degree in pharmaceutical engineering you know what i do for a living what not pharmaceutical engineering yeah. <laughs> i sell beer for a living uh. so yeah there's a lot of I mean, it's also too. You sell a different kind of drug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't manufacture any of it. Yeah, you don't. Uh, you don't uh, 
after work and it's like oh, i'm stressed out i want to steal steal some xanax here crush <laughs> it down and snort it up <laughs> nope uh, and i also i also don't steal any of the beer oh that's good yeah i don't yeah you're not a thief i'm not a thief and i don't drink so yeah is it this is kind of like a don't get high in your don't your own supply type yeah. situation. And one but, of these days you'll quit weed. Yeah, one of these days. Yeah, not today. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that drug has gone way potent. It's it's very it's like much more dangerous than it used to be yeah. like fifty years ago. As, Telling me, brother. It's it's like as I uh, said, it's it's not your uh, father's weed. It's, exactly. It's way stronger. What do you what do you do for a living? I uh, work at Giant Eagle in the produce department. Nice. Stocking shelves, baby. Oh, yeah. Cutting things up, uh, putting things away, cutting up fruit and whatnot, taking out bad stuff, every other thing you have to do. I um, I work at Giant Eagle, in which it's uh, not too far from the hood. So <laughs> we have a lot of um, people from those areas. And also we have a lot of rednecky people that come into our store as well. So uh, Usually we, worse. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, get the best of both worlds, and I've worked at the one over in uh, Howland, which I'm sure you're not familiar with that township, but uh, that township is, let's just say there's there are a lot more like more higher middle class over there, and there's a lot of doctor's offices and whatnot over there, so they're a lot more, like let's say, sophisticated, but at the same time, very, um, very demanding, hmm. very self-centered. Have you ever had a girlfriend? Oh, yeah, I... Dated somebody for about two months a while back. It was November of 2021 to January of 2022. Uh, it was a it was an excuse of why she broke up with me. I don't know what she why she really wanted to break up with me, but she essentially told me that uh, because of uh, COVID going around and the fact that she has older parents and older grandparents, uh, she didn't want to risk it, so she broke up with me. Hmm. Doesn't sound like because uh, you're a super spreader. Yeah. Well, I did give her COVID a month before. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. Uh, yeah, it was um, Christmas week. I had COVID of uh, December of 2021, and I finally managed to get to my aunt's house uh, last Christmas because um, from like 2020 and uh, 2021, I didn't go over. They're at all for Christmas because of COVID and whatnot. Mm. Do you call, like? Do you have a lot of uh, cousins or anything like that? Oh yeah, I have a lot of cousins. Um, uh, let's just say my second cousins are now outnumbering my first. Wow. Uh, I have um, I have seven first cousins. Technically six because my uh, cousin Megan passed away three years ago from cancer. Mm. Uh, all her organs failed on her, so she was only 27. Jeez, that's and, young. Yeah, she had she had it since she was 19. Um, and uh, so, yeah, technically I have, I have seven first cousins, and I have, and I have uh, nine second cousins. Well, at least the dating pool got a little bit bigger for you, so that's nice. <laughs> that's nasty. <laughs> I mean, technically, everyone's 50th cousins. That's true. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if humanity started off as 12,000 people, and now we're at 7 billion, there's a lot of, um, hey, uh, daughter, can you pick that up for yeah. me? There's a lot of your own grandpas going around. Yeah. 
You ever heard that song? I'm My Own Grandpa? Yeah. It's a great song. Uh, I know it's a suspected that um, Ted Bundy's grandpa is also his dad. Because <laughs> it, it seems like his, um, his uh, grandpa slash possible dad uh, raped his mom. And uh, so his mom is also his sister. When he was younger, he thought that was just his, you know, sister and his uh, grandparents were his parents. And then it turned out, well, your sister is your mom and we're your grandparents and your grandpa might also be your dad. So, <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which kind of makes sense why he, you know, like, I mean, not only for that lie and particularly why he targeted women. Do you uh, keep up with a lot of people in high school? Uh, somewhat. I'll see them occasionally outside. Uh, I only keep up with about two people. Uh, my friend Gabe and Josh. Mm. Probably hang out with Gabe this Thursday. I'll have to text him here sometime tonight and ask him, like, hey, you want to hang out? Because I start my vacation from work Thursday. I, like, pretty much are off for ten days in a row. Nice. Um, and I have LASIK surgery I'll be doing next week, so... Hell yeah. No more contacts. Yeah. 2020, uh, baby. Yeah, I can... Well, I have a lazy eye in my right eye, so I'm. it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be good enough. I also have a lazy eye. Yeah, it's it's, it's not good. You got to wear a patch when you're a little kid. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I used to tell people uh, my parents were pirates, uh-huh. and I'm a pirate in training. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, that was my well, reason why I was wearing a patch. Yeah, I... It was a patch and glasses you would wear. Mm-hmm. And um, if I kept on it with that, I probably would have got rid of my lazy eye. My lazy eye used to be my left eye. Mm. And then for, I don't know whatever reason, it switched over to my right. My left one got better and my right one got worse. Hmm. Weird. Yeah, but now, uh, yeah, I uh, can't wait to get LASIK surgery. It's only going to be five minutes for each eye. They laser it and whatnot. Uh, it's going to suck two days beforehand, though, because Tuesday and Wednesday I have to have contacts out all day. Oh, man. Yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be blurry. I don't wear glasses. I, I can't stand glasses. Really? Yeah, I so. can't stand contacts. Uh, it's opposite day. Yeah. I can't, I can't do contacts at all. <clears throat> what, 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 like, uh, also, there was a period, too, where I didn't wear glasses either. And I was, like, basically, I'm, like, basically blind in my left eye. Yeah. And, uh... It's like uh, I, I I don't know why I didn't just wear glasses because like, I thought they looked like I was a nerd. I was worried yeah. about looking like a nerd. It was for vain reasons. But like uh, now that I'm older, I like wearing them. Yeah. But like I, my vision would have been better had I just worn yeah. the gla- fucking glasses Same or even me. contacts. Same with me, but you know, autism autism brings sensitivity issues, so no glasses for me. <laughs> What what was what about the autism is affected by glasses? Uh, they're not connected, but um, like you know, vision and autism wise. But sure. uh, just having them on my face, I just couldn't stand it. I didn't like it. I have little quirks like that myself, where I just like a wedding, like for jewelry. I hate jewelry. Yeah, I can't wear it. I don't like it. Like. This is the most I can do. Yeah, I can't wear socks. I, you'll never see me in a pair of socks. If you ever look down, see, I, that's where you and I are different. You'll never see me with bare feet. 
I don't like my feet being bare ever. Yeah. You'll never see me in a pair of jeans. I always wear sweats or short sweats. I noticed that. It was... Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, going for a rebel look, I'm like, you know, it's like, this is, this is comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's up with this uh, jeans and a T-shirt or a suit or whatever. I mean, I'll probably wear a suit if I had to. I know for, um, for like, hilarities or I think something like that. I think up here you have to wear a suit. Uh, one of the big shows up here, like, um, I think for hilarity, something like that, you have to wear, like, either a suit or, you know, if you're a woman that likes to wear a dress, go ahead. Or wear a lady's uh, suit. For what? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't get it either. I um, For what thing? Yeah, like, though? Yeah, I, I don't To get be it. on the stage? Yeah, like, I, I don't get it either why you have to, like, dress up for a stamp comedy. And I like, don't... You, I've never heard that ever. If for hilarities, at least. No, I don't know. I might Maybe be, that's why I don't get as many gigs as I should. Yeah, I... Um, yeah, I... That might be for hilarities. Uh, I might be uh, misremembering, but uh, that might be the case. But um, I've yet to step foot in hilarities. I've I've done Funny Stop the most out of all the shows, and then I've done Funny Farm down in Youngstown. Nice. Uh, that was my first club I did back in August of 2019. That's the first time I met Tim Wolf. He was well, f- first club outside of Funny Stop, right? First comedy club ever. Really? I performed. Uh, yeah, they had a showcase there for uh, potential, um, you know, features and hosts and whatnot. And I uh, did one there in August of that year. Um, uh, Tim Wolf was uh, hosting the show, and that was the first time I met him. Nice. And um, Mickey was the first time I met Mickey. He was there. Um, uh, I know Bill Stone was there. Uh, I already knew Bill at that point. Um, and, uh, a bunch of others, I, uh, can't really, can't fully recall who else, um, but there was a few others there as well, and it was, it was a fun time, but it was the most nervous I've ever been for a comedy show. It was like a, it was, um, like, um, out-of-body experience going up there, because I was like, oh, that's my first club, mm-hmm. like, all nervous, and it was like... They didn't even feel like it felt like I was a fly on the wall watching myself just say stuff. How do you feel like your autism either influences or affects both your stand up and social interactions? In what ways do you feel like they impact like your 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 autism impacts your social interactions? Well, sometimes if you ever see me before, but it doesn't happen all the time, but it'll happen sometimes, which I'll, uh, like, if the audience is not really giving what I want, I'll acknowledge it. <laughs> uh, I say, like, oh, you guys don't know what's going on. Or, like, you, you guys gotta, gotta pick it up a bit more. I like that. That's funny to me. Yeah. I think... And uh, I've gotten better with not doing that as much. Uh, but, uh, some people, like, there's some comics that do like that, like, Lemon Mantier, he likes it when mm-hmm. I kind of, uh, patronize the audience. I love it. I think it's so funny. I think, like, the only other comic I can think of that does that is, uh, Jimmy Graham. He's, like, the only other one I know that will patronize the audience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, last time I saw him was at High and Dry, and apparently this one girl that I 
Sum was Irish, uh, she got offended because he w- had a joke invi- involving Ireland or something. It wasn't really even offensive. But he, um, she uh, got offended and like walked out of there with her boyfriend or whoever. And she's, she's like, he's making jokes about Irish people. And apparently, um, I think Julia knew her and, uh, and whatnot. And they took off, I think, on a motorcycle or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what a scene all right well yeah i mean how do you feel like it uh in other ways do you, how do you feel like it do you find it hard to like be friends or like yeah. connect with certain comics because of it or yeah, i would say so i mean or also- they have a hard time connecting with you because i think honestly that's more of the issue than anything else yeah it's them to you, not you to them. You're friendly to them. Yeah. You're trying to understand who they are. Yeah. They're idiots, and sometimes people are dumb and mean. Yeah. So, anyway, so go on. Yeah, it might be a mixture of that and whatnot. And, you know, also with the fact that I don't live in the scene, that also makes it harder. I'm not around constantly. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go over Vaughn's house, and he only lives 10 minutes away. No one's doing that. Oh, he does have the Cleveland scene? Nobody's going into each other's homes. No one's really, like, we might hang out at a bar about 15, 20 minutes more extra. That's all you're missing. Oh. You're not missing out on anything. You've never been to Brian Sternick's house? No. Well, Brian Sternick doesn't. Or apartments, whatever he lives in? Brian Sternick lives with his parents. Oh, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, or or he stays at his girlfriend's house. No, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, he doesn't. There's yeah, you're not. You're literally not missing out on anything. There's no. no like parties that happen. Like literally, we stay at the bar about fifteen or twenty minutes longer than you do, and then we go home. There's not a secret society to secret society <laughs> comedy show. No, there is you, not. Would you guys go uh, somewhere in the um, and somewhere around here? In the flats, because I remember Kevin Ostropovich talking about how there's like um, uh, underground um, orgy parties that happen in the flats. You guys are not having a secret society there for no. your secret society show, having masks and whatnot. No, we just sacrifice goats. Yeah, and then we sp- we spill the blood amongst the streets, but nobody notices because it's the flats and it's gross anyways. So yeah. it's really not doing much of anything. <clears throat> I. I'm hoping there's attractive people at the <laughs> orgy because I don't want to have some sort of fat chicks and whatnot there. They're the least of your concern at an orgy. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm not going to fuck any guy. You're at an orgy. Yeah. So. I've I've always said this to Jimmy Killius, speaking of uh, group sex. I've always told him <laughs> that I'm... <laughs> that, uh... I've mentioned this multiple times to him that I can see him trying to get a threesome with Brandon Petrie and his girlfriend, and sure enough, he's he's attempted. Really? Yeah. He he. Um. I mentioned that to him at LVT one time, and he's like, "I've been trying." And well, this is something I gotta cut out of the podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. I don't edit. Yeah. He, what's well, said is said. Yeah. <laughs> and. uh 
And I joked with them one time, and I got them a crack up, in which, like, I, I said, like, I could see you in the threesome with Brandon and Haley, which Brandon's going at it with Haley, just fucking her behind or whatever, and then he's just behind Brandon with his two fingers up his ass. <laughs> well, at least he's participating, right? Yeah, just fingering Brandon. It's more about the story afterwards than the action that you're participating in, Yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Because you know one ever says the things that actually happened during a threesome? They only just brag about being in the threesome. Yeah. As a, just a general washer statement. Oh, yeah. So he could just be in the room, high-five him, yeah. leave, use in a threesome. Yeah. Technically, he was in a threesome. He participated. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I never really been, an, I mean, it wasn't like a cuckold situation I was in, but I have cuckold a guy before. I've never met him, but I fucked his girlfriend, <laughs> which is probably kind of the better yeah. scenario. Yes, and no names. Yeah, I, I won't. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't know them anyways, but I'm not going to say anything because they're still ca- together and I don't want to. Is this your way of saying you fucked my wife? No, <laughs> Just no, 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 no. But, uh, <laughs> How funny would it be if, like, you're like, yes, I, uh, this is how I'm bringing it up to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I see Jimmy doing that more than anybody else. Jesus. Because Jimmy Killius is a wild man. He's. he's oh, uh, Jimmy Killius, you're saying? I thought you were talking about Graham. Well, either or. But yeah. I mean, Jimmy Killius is on. Well, I mean, Graham is more on, like, strictly women. Killius, either or, men or women. I think Jimmy is, he is bisexual. He just has that vibe to me because there's been plenty of times he's touched my ass and kissed me on the cheek and he's kissed me on the lips once. So I don't know about you. No, but he's done I'm that. a lot taller than him, so. <laughs> but this is very well known. Jimmy does this. Well, he's this is a, not a secret. He's an affectionate man. Yeah. It's his way of showing he likes you. Yeah, don't me too, Jimmy. <laughs> I, I allow him to do this because... You were asking for it. The way you were dressed, I yeah. saw it. Yeah, he, I don't think he has much going for him, so, <laughs> I, so I allow him to do it. That's that's the far this I'll let him, though. It's like, no, no blowjobs, no anal. I... All right, last question. <laughs> we're getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, I have to get to Judd's here soon. Yeah, uh... What is your parents' thoughts on comedy, you, like you pursuing it or you, like the scene in general, the things you say? What is your parents like? How do they? I'm, I guess I'm trying to get a sense of like who your parents are as individuals or like are, are they more conservative? Are they more liberal? Or are they? Um, well, there's a thing I like to call. Uh, Pre-Trump and post-Trump. Mm. Pre-Trump, uh, they voted strictly Democrat, mostly Democrat. Post-Trump, uh, I know last election, they vote both voted for Trump. Um, I know the election before, it was my dad just voted for Trump. My mom voted for Hillary. Um, I voted for Hillary and Biden for both elections. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, Maybe your dad's an abolitionist. Maybe he just wants to see all of it burn to the ground, and that's yeah. why he voted Trump. 
Maybe yeah. he's more sinister than you thought. <laughs> Maybe. Um, that being said, I'm voting for Trump in 2024. No. Not because I like him. Not because I like the government. Yeah. Not because I care for his politics. Because I know he's going to fucking ruin it. Yeah. And he's going to burn it to the goddamn ground. Ground, And I can't wait. That's what I want to see. I'm yeah. not red. I'm not blue. I want it all destroyed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm uh, the red flames of... Uh, of both parties being burnt to the ground. Yeah. That's what I am. I read a book. Uh, I got it from Books of a Million. It was discount price. Um, it, it's called uh, Lenin, the Man, the Dictator, and the Master of Terror. Mm-hmm. And uh, the writer of the book is a Hungarian um, immigrant to uh, the UK uh, named uh, Victor Sebastian. And he draws an interesting parallel between Trump and Lenin. Uh, really? Yeah. I'll have to read this fucking book. Yeah, it's uh, he both, you know, that they're both populists, essentially, and you know, red is the color for both. Uh, sure. You know, Lenin's side was called the Reds, um, Bolsheviks as well, and communists. Sure. Um, but it was, it's a very interesting book, and um, Lenin is a very interesting figure in history. Uh, Agreed. Not a good person. I mean, not Stalin level bad, but still not entirely great because a lot of things he did uh during his tenure pretty much paved the way for stalin uh he you know he started the one-party dictatorship he um started the secret police the cheka uh he started the gulag system a lot of people didn't know that but he started the gulag system Hmm. um and he uh i mean both the gulag system and the secret police were they were done previously in Russia during the Romanov regime and whatnot, but he made those systems of oppression much more effective. Um, he, uh, yeah, he created the secret police, created a one-party dictatorship. He uh, created the gulag system. He um, disbanded um, uh, workers' unions, uh, and like the only the only way you could actually be a uh, member of a, like a union is that you had to be a Bolshevik. You had to be a communist mm. member, a par- party affiliates in order to be like a part of a union. It couldn't be like a non-communist uh, and whatnot. Uh, but he paved the way for a lot of things that Stalin would uh, expand upon. Uh, in no way he was a sadist, though. I mean, the worst thing, worst thing throughout his history that he did was that during um, the Russian Civil War in the early 20s, um, there was a famine of uh, many famines that happened in Russia, mm-hmm. but there was a famine, and uh, he used the famine as an excuse to go after the Orthodox Church. So, <laughs> that's the worst thing that, like, kind of the, like the most wicked thing he did. Uh, I wicked mean, or? Well, he did. I mean, I'm I'm all for it. Fuck him. Well, you know, he um, not much on freedom of religion for him. <laughs> I believe in the freedom of the choice of mm. believing what you want to believe, as long as it doesn't hurt me or anybody else. Yeah, I agree. But um, he, uh, yeah, he paved the way for a lot of things that Stalin would expand upon. Um, before Stalin's purges, uh, Lenin had his own purge, which was called the Red Terror, which uh, the Red Terror went on from um, 1918 to 1922. And it was um, essentially the uh, the Cheka were in charge of it. And uh, revolutionary terror was a part of Lenin's ideology. He believed in states uh, sanctioned violence against uh, the quote-unquote enemies of the, uh, the 
enemies of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took a lot from the Reign of Terror, which happened during the French Revolution. Him and Trotsky really study that stuff really well. And uh, he, um, yeah, the Cheka, they committed, like, some of the worst atrocities. Like, I mean, pretty much everybody during the Russian Civil War committed atrocities. But above all else, the Cheka committed the worst. <laughs> they, they, would, um, they would crucify people. They would skin people alive. They would crown people with barbed wire. They would use rat torture on people. Uh, they would stone people, and um, uh, they would uh, do a bunch of other uh, type, bunch of uh, various torture techniques. Um, Irony, satiricism. <laughs> I can't uh, speak. But uh, the best historian on the Russian history is uh, Alando Fidges, and he pretty much uh, said that the the Red Terror, the um, the torture techniques for that then ingenious ways that they would torture people with that. The only other moment in history that is on par with that level of cruelty and creativity with the torture was the Spanish Inquisition. Hmm. So, yeah, and Lenin, Lenin knew what was going on, and he allowed it and proved, it, proved of it. Um, so your father's a lot like Lenin, is it? We're trying <laughs> no, to wrap no, this no. into? Your, your father's approach to your comedy is... Uh, uh, the, much so Lenin during his time. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just poor Mother Russia, just trying to make its way in the world. Yeah. I mean, compared to World War One, uh, Russia, Russia during World War One, World War One lost two million people. Russian Civil War killed ten million. Jesus. Oh yeah, and then you know World War Two was the uh, the cherry on top, twenty seven million. I thought it was more than that. I thought it was like 39, but you're right, yeah, yeah, 27. And a lot of that had to do with, um, you know, Nazis not liking Russians, viewing them as racially inferior, along with my people, the Poles. I mean, I'm probably Russian as well. I had to do a DNA test to see, but... Sure. But yeah, my people had genocide against them as well. Not all white people are created equal, Jeremy. Hallelujah and holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so your parents are <laughs> trying to, trying to reel it back to you, your parents view on your comedy or just comedy in general, or like, what did your parents think of some of the characters that they've probably had to interact with in comedy? Um, uh, they've enjoyed talking to some of the people I've, you know, met and whatnot. Uh, my dad was awkward with John Brown. <laughs> he, he, uh, John, John, like, when my dad got out of his truck, John's like, all right, what's going on here? Is he going to beat me up? Because <laughs> John and I initially thought my dad was just going to park, and I was just going to go in and go. But my dad wanted to stop and chat for a little bit, and John just wanted to go go inside his house and sleep for work tomorrow. Oh, that's funny. And, uh, and uh, my dad insisted on giving him $20, and John didn't want it, but he ended up taking it anyways. <laughs> uh yeah, it's funny. Like, so is Jimmy Jimmy Kellis trying to get any type of cuckold or threesome situation with your parents? No. Thank God. I don't think they would like that. I mean, <laughs> I mean the king. That doesn't is... mean he, just because they wouldn't like it doesn't mean he wouldn't try. Oh, I know. I, know. <laughs> I don't think they even. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't even met him yet. Um, Keep that man far away from your folks. Yeah, he. Um, yeah. I think the kinkiest thing my parents ever told me that they did was that my dad, um, they, I think it was a wedding gift or whatever, or they got this at a wedding in which it was a, um, 
It was a uh, oh uh what what are they called? Um, it's a thing in which they put around your balls and they tighten it. Uh, a rubber band? I don't. I really have no I idea. I forget the name of the sex toy, but they um they got that. And my dad really didn't like it. Mm. Uh, and that, how that came about was that uh, I was getting um. UTIs because I had a pocket pussy and I seems like I wasn't cleaning it well so it was it was not a fun period and I had to tell them like I think this is the reason why I'm getting UTIs because I have a pocket pussy. You're you're saying this to your parents? Oh yeah, I told them because it was like you know I was telling them I was getting like burning sensations down there and whatnot and um yeah like you're comfortable enough of saying those types of things oh, to yeah. your parents? Yeah, like it got to a point in which it's like. If it's not me not cleaning well down there, then it has to be this. And I'm like, I'm going to just have to tell them. Wow. Now, what are, like, some boundaries? Like, what are some things that you're uncomfortable sharing with your parents? Um, I mean, if the cat's out of the bag, if the cat's out of the bag, then, like, I'll say whatever. I admire your bravery. Yeah, like, there's some things I'll try to keep secret from them. But if the cat's out of the bag, then... I was just like, I'll tell all. Hmm. You'll go down with a, a blaze of glory. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It's like, I, Cock ring. That's what it is. That's what my, uh, uh, they try oh, to use yeah, the yeah. cock ring my dad tried to use, and he didn't really like it. Hmm. I liked my pocket pussy, though. It was good, even though it caused me uh, a UTI. Yeah, you should clean those things. Yeah, I, I tried, and I guess I wasn't really doing it well. <laughs> at, at one point, I was bleeding blood. I was oh, my God. It, I mean, it, it only happened once. It only happened once on one day. I was like, all right, something's going on here. <laughs> oh, just, I got to say something now. Yeah. If you're pissing blood. Yeah, that's crazy. Had had you not lost your virginity at that point? Uh, This was early this year that happened <laughs> got it um i lost mine four years ago uh march 20th 2019 i knew you would know the date yeah yeah uh i mean i've made out with my last girlfriend the one that broke up with me over covid you over COVID, and she's four years older than me uh she's 29 now and um yeah the girl i lost my virginity to was nine years nine months older than me so i tra- i guess older women are my thing Apparently, yeah, they like to take care of you. Yeah, you're just this lost little puppy out in the wilderness. They they want to give you shelter. Well, I have I have I agree with the sentiment that uh, essentially, um, uh, girlfriends or wives or whatever, pretty much, uh, replace your mom. Hmm. I'm glad that I don't have that. <laughs> my wife has not replaced my mother in any way, shape, or form. I have a mom. I don't need another mom. Uh, I mean, there's slight differences, of course. Uh, there's major differences well, between my yeah. wife and my mother. But I, like, I would honestly say that is not a care. Like my mom and my wife share very few similar characteristics, yeah. and I'm completely fine with that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's nice not being married to your mother. It would bother why would you want the thing you don't like why would you want the thing you don't like going home to in your house you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah i uh, i guess 
I can see you. Like, if your mom was not Native American, I can see her as a, a Jew. My mother's Lebanese. Oh, uh, oh yeah, that's yeah, right. That's my right. father's who's Native American. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mixed it around. Well, right. your dad being uh, Arabic makes sense because, I mean, your mom being Arabic makes sense because, you know, Arabs and Jews are part of the same <laughs> ethnic group, and, you know, that very <laughs> nagging Jewish mother... Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, part, it's part of the genes. She's not nagging so much as she's more of a... Um, Helicopter parent? She's more of a, uh, I, I don't care, and I like to make comments. Or like, you never made enough money. Yeah. Type mother. You know what uh, I mean? You you need to always be striving to be more. Mm. And, uh, but that's fine. Like, it's, we're good. But yeah, I'm not married to my mother, thank God. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I um Napa seeing uh, the girl I lost my virginity to about two months ago. We didn't do anything. I just hung out with her, uh with her dad and whatnot at this bar uh, over in Niles. Um, you still keep up with the the person you lost your virginity to? Yeah, I talked to her here and there. Nice. I mean, she's much more, let's say, chiller than she was <laughs> before. She was much more angrier, mm. but she's kind of calmed down a bit. Was she your girlfriend, or was she just somebody you were hanging out with? Or Oh, it was somebody I was hanging out with. What uh, the hell? I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, Again, I'm not editing that out. I'm on a podcast right now. <laughs> all right. All right. Bye. <laughs> I had a, I have a friend uh, that's there right now uh, that my dad knows and I know as well. Oh, ten oh one right now. Oh geez, well yeah, I'll let you go. Yeah. Uh, thank you for doing the show. Uh, where can they find you on social media? Uh, Va Wesley V A U G Wesley um, on Instagram. I mean, either or Wesselowski Wesley Wesselowski. Uh, you can find me Vaughn Wesselowski on facebook man we were just about to get into the juicy details of your of your uh of your uh love life but you know what we'll have you back we'll make it a patreon episode yeah um yeah we'll i'll come back again hell yeah, yeah. uh yeah uh find me on social media uh on instagram i'm just trying to push my instagram lately uh at jeremy underscore demery uh go to secret society to figure out where we're going to be at next and I should hopefully be working on a website here shortly. Uh, more news on that later. Uh, thank you so much, for Vaughn, for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, Arrivederci. Yeah. As they say in the streets, right? Oh, yeah. Arrivederci. Arrivederci.